0: So some of these alkaloids on their own have therapeutic qualities, like this ability to, be, to protect against cognitive de- decline and stuff like that. And these Japanese doctors found that by really just studying people in the 90s and the 80s, centenarians even, who still were mentally sharp and were daily coca leaf consumers.
1: Hello there, and welcome to Wrongway's Columbia Cast with me, Brendan Wrongway Corrigan. Now it's a link that makes the blood of many Colombians boil, the country's association with cocaine. Yet the humble leaf from which that drug is derived, coca, has been a staple nutritional supplement for various indigenous cultures in South America for millennia. And a number of studies have shown the many health benefits it provides. Today's guest, journalist and writer Ocean Melandra, has written extensively about this more positive side to coca. Ocean, we'll get to those studies highlighting the coca leaf's nutritional value in a bit, but I want to start off with the current legal position in terms of growing coca here in Colombia. Are we finally, some might say, moving more in the direction of countries such as Bolivia and Peru that have a far more liberal stance on coca cultivation? And I hasten to add the distinction between the use of the leaf itself in cruder forms and the highly processed drug uh, cocaine. So, So what is the position?
0: That's a very that's a very good question. I would say yes, and I would say that it's been moving that way for a while. Um, of course, there's right now there's big news because there is this uh, possible legislation to legalize cocaine and co- uh, to regulate right mm-hmm. in Colombia, and that's been put forward by several uh, Congress members here in Colombia, including an indigenous senator from Cauca. Um, it's been reported. There was, a, I think we, we we shared an article the other day that was in Vice. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Kanimo. They've got a big spread on it in the recent issue. And I like the way they
1: word this. Okay. I don't know if that will come out backwards. Yeah, but by, they, by the way, they, Ocean, they, I just want to say, of course, sometimes or this is also in an audio version. So those uh, just listening won't be able to see the magazine. But yeah, Camino okay. and there's an article in it. That's the most recent edition.
0: Yeah, but yeah this is... Uh, November. So last month. Um, but it's, it's kind of, I think it's bi-monthly anyway. Um, but anyway, they use the word inevitable, which is an interesting word. And they're talking about cocaine, but they're also talking about coca leaf because even though I, I've tried to separate the two because I find that uh, they, they are, most people have them packaged together in their mind. And so when I want to talk about, like you said, the positive effects of coca leaf, I have to first kind of disentangle, People's ideas about cocaine from it. Mm -hmm. But with this particular legislation, they would actually kind of open it all up. So the cultivation of coca leaf uh, would become legal. um, And then there would be some kind of regulatory process for cocaine. And it's just a whole, it's actually something that's beyond where even Peru and Bolivia have gone. It would, it's actually like, it's, it's more progressive than anything else out there. And Bolivia, has always been at the forefront in the past, you know. Uh, Evo Morales, like ten years ago, rebelled against the um, because there's been a UN chart. There's been a UN prohibition on coca leaf since like 1969, and he said uh, that you can't. Uh, this is our national heritage, and so he kind of he kind of fought for a different position. Um, Peru followed suit. Colombia historically has lagged way behind for a number of different reasons. I mean most obviously there's a, there's a smaller indigenous population in Colombia than in Bolivia or Peru. Mm-hmm. And even though indigenous use of coca leaf has always been allowed in Colombia, it's just not as widespread because the population isn't, isn't, isn't as dominant, you know?
1: Um, and would that also be perhaps because uh, there aren't many indigenous, as you said, and then people associate coca purely with cocaine uh, and then they want nothing at all to do with it because of obviously uh, what that name does to Colombia abroad. Uh, that that's probably a reason. Absolutely, man. Colombia, of course, has that
0: has that infamy as well. You know, so that those those two reasons together really mm-hmm. you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, but that's been changing, and uh, coca leaf has been kind of silently entering mainstream colombia and i wrote a piece for vice four or five years ago and it was called uh why coca leaf is colombia's new superfood and it was just about uh this rise that that i had that i've been witnessing of products like uh like coca tea obviously but a variety of coca products in kind of hit places in bogota and medellin and in some of the larger cities being marketed to kind of the uh colombian middle class and also to tourists as a um and as a health product, um, I know that we might not have video, but like, you know, tea, there's even like a Coca, Coca-Cola version. Oh,
1: okay. And this,
0: these products are made by, like this product is made by the NASA group, which out of And it's really interesting because that is a, it's a traditional Coca cultivating using group. And it's also been a target for many years. Uh, of the war on drugs, it's been it's been sprayed by um, blackest fade. It's been it's been targeted as a coca eradication place, and so this is why the issue right now, the crux of the issue is really like it, it is. It's a social justice issue in a way because for you know this is something that is sacred and traditional to a lot of indigenous groups, and then it's something that's been demonized and actively like persecuted by modern society. And so we are really kind of at this strange kind of day of reckoning about all of that. In
1: okay. uh, Colombia,
0: Colombia, more than anywhere else, you know, all of that has has come to a head like nowhere else.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the, again, and, and to separate, as we said, the leaf uh, from cocaine, because, well, the legalization of cocaine, one route, and, and uh, I know you read a story of mine a couple of weeks ago where I talked about Bogota's uh, cocaine barrios and a rather <laughs> liberal use of cocaine itself. But cocaine obviously is highly processed and how much kind of purity of the leaf you get in it as well I guess is is debatable but maybe if it was legalized you could clean up that whole area and then the blood and violence that's associated with all of that could also be cleaned up now a cynic might say if the Colombian government got its hands on it that wouldn't make much of a difference anyway might be better (laughs) the way it is but I want to talk about the leaf because Uh, There was, well, I I will say a potentially seminal, was a Japanese study a few years ago. Um, And I say potentially seminal because it doesn't seem to, excluding yourself, but it doesn't seem to have been taken up that much in mainstream media about the wonderful properties. Now, again, some people might say, well, one study does not a superfood make, that it needs more study uh, and research. But again, linked to this thing that you said about the UN, uh, calling it like a banned substance or, or what exactly is it so so there hasn't been much research done on coca but what are these wonderful properties that it supposedly has
0: okay yeah absolutely man so studies because of its classification have been banned and the last real study done and you'll see this study if you buy any coca product here in colombia or even in peru because they all use this heart. There was a Harvard study that was done way back in 1973. And that's basically been the only real clinical study in a major university done. And that actually showed, the guy's name was uh, James Duke, um, that showed an amazingly rich and high content of all kinds of minerals, including the highest vegetable source of calcium ever discovered. Um, And this was published. And so you'll see it on all these coca products. Um, But since then, there really hasn't been anything done. Now, like I was just saying, because Bolivia kind of rebelled about 10 years ago, it kind of opened this window for scientists who want to study coca. They could go to Bolivia and do so because it became part of national culture again. So these two Japanese scientists just completed a 10-year study about two years ago, and they published it as a book called Coca Un Biobanco, and they studied it. And every which way they could, they studied lifetime users. uh, And it's the reason why nobody's heard of it is because it's not published in English. It's only in Japanese and in Spanish. Um, But it's available here in Colombia. There's a, I don't, some of you guys might be familiar with this, this shop in the, in the Candelaria called the Embajada de la Coca. It's like, it's on all the walking tours. People stop and have a cup of Coca. The guy's actually Peruvian, but he sells products from Colombia and Peru. And he has the book in stock and I've seen it. I've seen it in other bookstores as well, and it's really interesting. It's really in depth. It goes beyond just a nutritional analysis. It gets into the other alkaloids present in coca. It gets into the antioxidant properties, um, and uh, as the title suggests, un bio Banco. It's it's really just this incredibly nutrient rich uh, natural thing, and um, and they also get into the, the addiction. Part of it, how it's not addictive in its natural form, the way cocaine is. And that's really interesting as well, because there are actually, even in Peru, there, there are clinics where they treat cocaine addiction with coca leaf, because when people are craving that cocaine fix, they can, they can chew coca instead and get that fix, but they won't get the same high level of, of wanting more, 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 that more. People for people to describe cocaine as is Moorish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the leaf, the leaf doesn't have that quality. So it's there's just so many beneficial qualities to it that you're right. Like apart from the legalized cocaine thing, which has all of all of its own history, and I, I would actually you know support that for many reasons. Coca leaf itself actually should have never been illegalized in the first place. That has more to do with kind of glossing over. Millennial old
1: indigenous cultures who have been using it and using it as a health, health giving
0: thing. You know,
1: that's how they see it. Uh, It's kind of ocean, I guess, a bit of Western ignorance. It's like, well, okay, cocaine comes from this. We've got to stop it, and they didn't care at all about the indigenous that use it in in multiple different ways and the health benefits uh, that you said it has. You were on about um, cocaine being Moorish, I uh, kind of came <laughs> into my head, without being facetious on this. or I probably am, but it's like, yeah, once you pop, you can't stop. What was that, Pringles or something like that? But anyway, I'll get into trouble for saying that. But yeah, so, so the, the coca leaf itself as well. Another thing that um, I read about it, it can be good, is it for weight loss or at least it stars off, uh, or staves off, I should say, uh, hunger. Um, so it can keep you going for longer.
0: Absolutely, man. Um, it's, you know, obviously an energizing thing. It uh, it does stave off hunger. Um, you know, I lived in, when I really started to realize that there was something to this, I was living in Cusco, Peru, and that is, uh, you know, heavily indigenous, um, the descendants of the Incans, and, and there's mamitas selling huge, they have bags of coca leaf like this, and they sell it by the, Like by the handful, you know, like it's like two souls for like whatever you want to fill up your shopping bag with, which is like less than a dollar. And what you see is these indigenous people of of advanced ages, man, 80, 90, going up and down these mountains, carrying these huge burdens on their head or on their back with this cheek just bulging with Coca because they are not even feeling, (laughs) they're not, you know, they're not feeling hungry. They're not feeling tired. They're not feeling anything but good. <laughs> and they're just okay. going right up this mountain. And um, I started to realize, wow, there is really, really something to this. And um, there's a coca museum in Cusco. Anybody that's been to Cusco has been presented with coca culture too. Um, and you start to realize that, uh, yeah, there, it's something that is highly esteemed in these indigenous cultures, right? So it's, it's beyond just something that's a normal part of their culture. It's something that's highly esteemed. Okay. Uh, it's, it's also used ritually in many ways, um, but it's also used daily. It's used daily to get your work done. Um, and yeah, the Japanese, actually, to go back to your question about obesity, uh, the Japanese guys also wrote a second book and it's a th- smaller book, but it's just about coca for weight loss because it absolutely probably is one of the best best ways to lose weight naturally it, okay. like like green tea and other things like that that raise your metabolism it, it burns fat it lowers your hunger and so it's it's an optimal thing for okay
1: weight. and and uh, i don't mean uh, any offense with this but then in terms of obesity in the united states obviously that's a plague at the minute there uh, so it could, could work wonders
0: yeah um, you know, and not the not the get yeah. conspiracy theory with it man but a lot of the things that are plagues in the united states you know like People popping all these energy drinks all the time. Uh, You know, um, uh, people with depression, a lot of these things, painkillers, right? Um, Like marijuana, uh, coca is an an amazing painkiller as well. You know, and it could probably replace a lot of these painkillers that people are on. It could replace Uh, a lot of these things.
1: Yeah, uh, well, Ocean, I know you're not a medic, but I'd be wondering, because only last week uh, I read an Irish jockey was suspended for, for three months because he had traces of cocaine in his blood. Now, his defence, and, and this has actually been uh, brought out to be true, that is that he had sex with a girl who had taken cocaine and that's how it ended up in his uh, in his blood, but he didn't take it. But I, my point is, if you took the leaf, w- would that show up and then you, you'd be um, accused of having taken uh, cocaine? No, or is that completely different? I mean, as I said, I know you're not a medic, but you probably know more than I do.
0: Yeah, I'm not qualified to answer, but I think it. I think there's enough cocaine that it would show up in trace amounts in any kind of test.
1: Okay, I think it would because yeah. it does seem kind of good. Like if you are participating in sport or whatever for for endurance to, to have it, you just keep on going.
0: Absolutely, man. B- Absolutely. Better than
1: the than the Duracell bunny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it just has a lot of applications, and especially. Uh, to these kind of degenerative diseases that people get later in life, which are also in full crisis mode in the United States and much of the Western world. You know, um, these Japanese doctors looked at things like dementia, cognitive decline, and they found that, um, see, okay. So one of the things is cocaine is one of at least a dozen alkaloids that are naturally occurring in the leaf. And some of the other, none of, it's the only one that's psychoactive, but some of the other ones have like neuroprotective properties or or hepoprotective properties. And this is also why uh, there's never been a case of like somebody overdosing from coca leaf, right? Because the coca leaf in its natural form, no matter how high you get on it, there's other, there's other alkaloids that are neuroprotective, hepoprotective, or whatever, and they there's a balancing effect in in the plant that is that changes when you just extract the cocaine.
1: Okay,
0: interesting. Um, Yeah, and so some of these alkaloids, on their own, have therapeutic qualities, like this ability to be to protect against cognitive decline and stuff like that. And these Japanese doctors found that by really just studying people in the '90s and the '80s, centenarians even who still were mentally sharp and were daily cocaine and coca leaf consumers, you know, whether it was tea or chewing or whatever, yeah.
1: Well, you know the the motto for uh, the Irish stout Guinness. It was Guinness for strength. So maybe it's a coca leaf for uh, for <laughs> mental ability or whatever, an improved mental ability or something like that. Maybe let's start the marketing <laughs> campaign now. Um, it's funny you say that, man. It's funny. You say, I have a friend who's an ethnobotanist who lives
0: in Cusco full time, and he's always like posting photos of him with his, his cheek full, and he's like,
1: "This is this is the real Popeye spinach," you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe it might be better than spinach as well, Oshu, because I recall they, they kind of reclassified spinach a few years ago. They said it, you know, it was meant to have all the, this iron, and now they say it doesn't have as much iron as, as, it, as they had thought previously, I think. I remember you know, reading that's, that. That's highly possible. And that, that actually opens up another, because this
0: is like multi-dynamic, this, this whole coca leaf thing, right? So there is, on, on this package here that I have, a coca, co, bags of coca leaf, there is a saying, and they say that it's a an Incan saying, but it actually is kind of like a prophecy. And uh, should I read it in Spanish and then English, or should I just uh,
1: translate it? Well, if you can translate it on the on the on the hoof, go for it.
0: <laughs> okay. So in Spanish, it says, "Cuando la codicia del hombre haya destruido los recursos del planeta, vendrán los tiempos de miseria. Entonces, la hoja que hoy es maltratada y perseguida." Savará el hambre de la humanidad. Basically, it's saying when the the greed of humankind has destroyed a lot of the natural uh, resources of the planet, there will be a time of misery. And at that moment, this this leaf that up until that day had been persecuted and maltreated will come forward to save mankind from hunger. And that's like, I mean, I know that's really out there, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> So the, but the thing is and what's happening it's what's happening is they're making a harina a flour out of this coca leaf. And so you can add like a tablespoonful of this flour of coca to anything, any kind of baked good, like to to your cookies or you know this little store here in the in the Candelaria in Bajada de la Coca. The guy makes a fresh torta of coca every day and you can come in and for those meals you can have a slice of it and it's green. green like straight out of a Popeye cartoon. And it has all of these nutritional things. And so like, it's actually strangely realistic that this could be added to white bread or uh, to all kinds of of things that people are eating that have very low nutritional content. And you can just add this powdered coca and it would immediately, you know, you immediately get like high levels. I'm looking at here, vitamin A, uh, iron, as you said, magnesium, calcium, vitamin C, vitamin E, I mean it's just incredible. And this is that's you know, based on that Harvard David Duke study. Okay. So in a way, it's really actually possible that you could instead of spending these the all this money that we spend, and when I say we, I'm from the United States, the United States spends a lot of money trying to take this planet plant off the face of the earth still. And if, if somehow we could flip that upside down, uh we maybe could be solving hunger like this. This prophecy says, I know that's pretty far out there, but I want to just kind of throw it well,
1: out. No, there. it's it's an interesting point and it ties in. I'll give my blog another uh, plug as well. But uh, I said um, dealing, dealing with, I forget the title again, but using uh, the, the the case that the parasite on planet earth was ourselves, human beings, that we're the biggest parasite that needs to be gotten rid of on this, uh, on this planet. But yeah, it's certainly interesting. And like when you're completely declassifying or saying that one particular crop that has all these health benefits anyway, supposedly, uh, and that, no, you can't use it and, and you're spraying it with all these toxins and things like that to get rid of it. Well, it seems like absolute lunacy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is when you put it like mixed into your food, you don't get that psychoactive effect. The, the, the cocaine actually has to be uh, activated. Um, and so, you know, the way that's done traditionally, as you'll see, like with the, with the guys up on the Sierra Nevadas, the Kogis and the Arawakas, they mix it with a cow, which is um, like a seashell, right? And they put it in their mouth. Okay. Activator. They actually are getting high. You know, their, their mouth is getting numb and they're getting high. Or down in the jungle, these mom which is mixed with a, with a certain ash and in the Andean regions of Peru and Bolivia, they mix it with other things. But if you just eat it, like, or if you just drink the tea, you do get energized, but you don't get any kind of high, so to speak. You're just kind of getting the nutritional properties and you're getting a natural boost of energy, okay. but there's no, there's no actual psych, psychoactive effect
1: at all. Well, Ocean, some people might say that's like drinking non-alcoholic beer. It's just, <laughs> 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 anyway, well, look, I want to wrap up this section of it, but um, okay. how likely do you think then maybe in 10 years time, if you walk into a store or a supermarket, in San Francisco or in my own capital city, Dublin, that you could buy coca flour or coca biscuits. Uh, how, do you th- <laughs> how how likely would that be? Do you think in, in within a decade? Man, ten in ten years, I think it's highly likely, um, and and that's because things are
0: accelerating fast. You see it happening with with cannabis. I I see coca as like the what do you call that? Like it's 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 in cannabis's shadow still, but it's the sleeper that's behind it. So once people know this, it's just a matter of, of once they know that there's a natural plant that has all these properties, the demand for it in a place like San Francisco, it would be huge. I could see it on the shelves in like a Whole Foods or whatever, you know? Um, okay. And in 10 years, I think for sure. And I think we'll see it start opening up within the next five. I really do. And, and moves like this, and that's how it ties back into this cocaine legalization, because it really comes back to like whether we're going to allow people to grow the plant and not face getting shot or sprayed with cancer-causing things, and, and once once we're clear about that, I think that we'll start seeing the plant itself in more places too.
1: Okay, okay. Well, we'll watch this space. You heard it here. Heard it here first on Wrong Way's uh, <laughs> Columbia Cast. Thanks for that, Ocean. Now I know when you're not talking about coca. Not that you talk about it every day, but you also write guidebooks, and you have a yep. new one just out. Is that right?
0: That's right. Um, let's see. So um, I I am I'm am I'm kind of like I'm still surprised that I got chosen to be the the moon author of the Columbia guidebook uh, guidebooks. So it's a series, right? Congratulations. Um, and the pandemic kind of. Yeah, thank you, man. The pandemic kind of threw through you know, a strange loop into all that, because, of course, as you know, tourism is one of the most affected sectors um, mm-hmm. in the whole thing. But it's, uh, it's really cool, man. Uh, moon guides are like single author guides. So they really look for somebody who can kind of be, a, um, you know an insider, um, as opposed to like Lonely Planet, where they piece together a bunch of different writers, and they, you know, moon, is, moon takes a different approach. So I was really, really, really pleasantly surprised to be chosen for that. And, you know, I've been traveling in Colombia for, for over 10 years, um, and it's been kind of my full-time home for about half that time. And, um, yeah, I write about, you know, I write about, I write travel things, I write about food, I write about the environment, I write about social issues, and um, and I write about plants too, you know, like, I, I, thank you for, for letting me have this conversation with you, because I don't, I don't write so much about the politics of the drug war, I do write more about plants. And I read about ayahuasca and yahe and cannabis. To me, coca is one of those. You know, what they call, what people call plant medicine. It has mm-hmm. like a, it has a function. It's, it's co-evolved with humanity. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but they they, a years back, found the oldest pre-Columbian civilization in South America. It's on the coast of Peru. And what they discovered is the reason why these groups stopped being nomadic and settled is because they were mining this cow that they needed to mix with the coca leaf to psychoactivate it. Because as you said, it's, it's not as so much fun. <laughs> <without> the, <laughs> beer's not as so much fun without the alcohol. I mean, but this was like, actually, like, one, coca was one of the integral... Sparks behind the advent of uh, pre-Columbian civilization in South America, and so that just puts the whole thing in perspective. It's pretty amazing, you know. Right.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. By the way, those guides. So I, um, I, I thought obviously I'm wrong with this. I thought it was just about Cartagena. I thought I saw that on a tweet, but no, it's about the whole country. So, right. So there's there's four titles. There's Cartagena in the Caribbean coast.
0: There's Medellin in the coffee region. Uh, there's Bogota, just Bogota, oh, okay. and there is the the Colombia. Uh, the full book. Um, All right. And so I've only completed the first one um, and uh, I think we're, we're kind of on hiatus with the others for several reasons. One is that, you know, um, traveling is just not fully open yet. <laughs> so I can't even go and do the research that would be required for a lot of these. Of course. Um, and so we'll have to see how that works out. But I think in terms of talking about tourism in Colombia, there's a real opportunity to kind of pivot towards a more sustainable a sustainable model of uh, tourism in Colombia. And that's always been one of my focuses uh, as a travel writer. I used to say I write about socially responsible or culturally responsible tourism, which is kind of a mouthful. But um, yeah, it, <laughs> it really, for me, it just means that, you know, tourism has like negative and positive potentials. And anybody who's traveled enough has seen both, right? Of course. Um, and so... I think that um, the pandemic with all of its fallout also has really opened up some opportunities to really focus on what kind of tourism do we really want? I mean, you, you live here in Colombia. I'm sure you love it as much as I do. And part of the reason for that is just how incredibly dynamic it is and biodiverse. And a lot of that is still off the beaten path. And the government, you know, with the peace process has plans to open these places up. So it's kind of like we're actually kind of starting from zero, in some of these areas, they have never have never had tourism before. So, like, I really look forward in to to like being part of making sure that those communities really benefit from tourism, that that uh, tourism uh, stabilizes their environmental situation and doesn't destabilize it, and their economic situ- situation and their cultural social social situation um so yeah, yeah. because I mean, it's, it's that delicate I'm, I'm,
1: balance ocean isn't it because obviously yeah. you want to see tourists come into these places discover i mean some people still think san jose de guaviare is off limits but i mean it's only really what an eight-hour bus journey from bogotá and and it's a magical place um yeah. but again you don't want these places becoming overran either because uh, i remember i did the la ciudad perdida the lost city trek in 2009 the first time i was in colombia and I, I think yeah, it, was, it was me and, and uh, a guy from New Zealand um, and a Colombian couple. That was it. And we met maybe about another three or four people on the whole four or five days that we were trekking. And then I remember a friend of mine from home, uh, she was here about two years ago, and she did the trek, and she told me like just, there were hundreds and hundreds of people on it. Um, so again, that kind of takes away from it. But obviously it's inevitable when a country becomes popular, and obviously Colombia has become very popular in the last decade, but it's that. it is maintaining that balance. And yeah, that, that's, it's tough. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it can be done. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can be done. Uh, by the way, <laughs> just on the, on the guidebook then, where can people get that one? So it's the Cartagena one that's available now. Cartagena one just, just came out last week.
0: Um, it is available on Amazon.com. It is available on Moon Travel. It will be available in some select bookstores in Colombia, but it isn't yet. Um, But it will be. Okay. Um, But it's available, and it's available in bookstores worldwide, um, has an international distribution. And uh, yeah, I talk a little bit about coca in that book because um, we talk about some of the Sierra Nevada cultures, you know, and the traditional use of coca in that context.
1: Okay, yeah, well, so people people can check that out. Uh, And obviously, your name will probably easily come up on Twitter, Ocean um, Malandra. Ocean, uh, where did the name come from? I know we were kind of laughing about this before we hit the record button, but uh, (laughs) where where did Ocean come out of? Out of (laughs) the deep blue, that's my pun.
0: (laughs) And that's pretty close, man. (laughs) That is pretty close. Hippie parents, hippie parents, you know. Uh, my parents were that No Saturday. further questions,
1: Your Honor, when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, it's certainly, do you know any other oceans? Uh, as in as I do. It? Yeah? I do, I do. I've met, I've probably met
0: a dozen men. And, uh, and I think it might even be on the rise. Last time I was back in San Francisco, I was walking through Golden Gate Park and I heard this, this woman oh shin oh shin oh shin and i was like wait who is that and uh, she was actually calling a little baby she was calling her her child and so I was like, hey, there's a whole new generation of
1: us, you know? Uh, Ocean, that <laughs> reminds me. Well, yeah, but it reminds me of the Simpsons episode where Bart is at some theme park and, and he goes into a store and, you know, they've got all the name tags, um, fridge magnet name tags. And he's looking at it, like going through it alphabetically, and it goes from Bert to, to Bort. And he's going like, what, well, what, like no Bart? What's about this? Thing? Like, who's called Bort? <laughs> And then this guy turns around and goes, "Are you talking to me?" And then, so, like, this guy's called Bort. Anyway, go on. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, where can people? Well, I mentioned it, Twitter. I guess they can they can follow you on Twitter and, and the normal social media outlets. Yeah, pick me up on Twitter. I, I'm I'm completely
0: freelance. Um, I write for a bunch of different outlets. You know, I move around. Um, let's see. The, I've been writing for Manga Bay recently, which is a Pretty well established, environmental. Uh, you know, I think that with t- tourism goes down, but environmental concerns go up. You know, and as a writer, I feel lucky, and I feel like it's it's a matter of survival to have different, different different specialties as well. You know, of course. But I also, to me, they all come together. Like like I said, my, my the type of tourism I like is sustainable tourism, so it has an environmental crossover. You know, and the same with gast- uh, with food and gastronomy. I write about sustainable food and sustainable gastronomy. Um, all of my, you know, I got it. My name is Ocean Man. I got to yeah. write about
1: this kind of, it exactly. has a hippie tinge to it. <laughs> you, you rule the world, this uh, blue planet, Ocean. Look, I, um, thanks a million for that. It was uh, an absolute pleasure and very insightful as well. And uh, let's see what happens with Coca over the next uh, couple of years here. Um, I, I, obviously, we're going to have a change of president in uh, two years, well, less than two years now. Um, so you'd kind of think maybe under a, a, a more conservative centre-right president like Duque not much will happen but maybe if we get somebody more centre uh, we might see changes let's see anyway Ocean Melandra an absolute pleasure thanks for that that is our lot for this episode of Wrong Ways Columbia Cast I'll do my own little bit of self-promotion now you can find me on Twitter of course at W.A. Corrigan or search for Wrong Way Corrigan the blog on Facebook but guys uh, until the next time Ciao, ciao. Thank you, Brandon.